Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. Nifty play by Whitecloud. Starts Cotter out the right side, two on one. Cotter shoots, he scores! Paul Cotter ties the game, one one. A goal in three straight games for Paul Cotter. This is the press box. Stevenson wins the draw. Petrangelo for Theodore. Shoots it wide. Rebound. Out in front. They score! William Carrier puts the Knights on top. 2-1 Vegas. 16 seconds to go. With Grady and Bischoff. Four seconds to go. Sharks fired ahead. It's tipped into the zone. It sails into the protective netting. The game is over. The Knights win it 2-1. ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. It's Ed Tyler, Danny running the show today, Friday, end of the week. And uh, I guess we should say right off the top of the bat, because I'm sure people are worried about there about Monday's show, <laughs> thinking about that already. We're off. Uh, we're off. Uh, we're off on Monday. Um, I think we need to, to actually get into the show because Danny has to go put out a fire somewhere else. <laughs> Danny's working about six shows this morning. It's what I do. I just, you know, I run around until things work. So we'll start the show so you can run away, Danny. The first bite. Is Will Carrier the Golden Knights best player? Run, Danny. Run out of the studio. Thank you for reading the first bite for us. We appreciate that. Um, I don't know what's happening, but Danny's got Danny. Danny's literally running. He actually is. He's actually running. Running out of the studio. To go somewhere else because something is uh, not literally, but something is on fire and he's got to put it out somewhere. Uh, this will carry a guy. I don't know. I saw your guy, uh, and I'm sure you saw it as well. Um, Phil Kessel with the uh, big back check there with the uh, slow legs last the night. Slow Did you legs. see that? Did you see that? <laughs> he's playing well. He might be challenging this will carry a guy. Well. All right, you're going to make me go in on Phil Kessel, really? Is that that's how you're going to make me start? Yeah, let's start with Phil Kessel. No, go ahead. Will Carrier. Uh-uh, no, you brought it up. All right. The game-winning goal scored by Will Carrier, right. who is on Phil Kessel's line, was assisted by Chandler Stevenson, who is on Phil Kessel's line. Yep. Phil yep. Kessel was not on the ice because Bruce Cassidy took him off the ice and put Nick Waugh on because Phil Kessel is not that good. But Phil Kessel has been much, much better for like two months now. Yeah. I don't have anything actually bad to say other than that. He got taken off the ice in that final minute. And here's here's the fascinating part to me about Will Carrier scoring a game-winning goal with 17 seconds left on the clock. In what world would we have guessed that in a tie game in the final 30 seconds, Will Carrier would be on the ice, would be on the ice. for an offensive right. zone faceoff? The, there, if you had told us that Bruce Cassidy was going to do that before the season started, I would have been like, oh, he's going to get fired. <laughs> he's got who on the ice? <laughs> like, there was never a moment before this year where you would have pegged Will Carrier as a forward to put on the ice in the final right. 30 seconds of right. a tie game with an offensive zone faceoff. And Cassidy did it last night. And I, and there's no reason to even point to him being wrong. He no, absolutely not the, not the season Will Carey has had. He's got 15, 15 goals. goals. Yeah, he's got. I think it's what two less than Jack Eichel yep. does this year. Like the guy's been he's playing great. He's playing great, incredibly good so far this year. So that's the uh, 
That, I think, is maybe even more telling than Carrier actually scoring the game-winning goal is that his coach is putting him out there. His coach is putting him in those positions because he's he's earned it. I mean, he's been really, really good this season, and to get 15 goals, his career high was nine. He's got 15 now. The season, what do they have, 20-something games left? Yeah, 27-26, yeah. uh, around there. His career, he's shattered his career high. He's going to double his career high if he scores three more goals in 20-something games. No Eichel line, no Carlson line. Right. Here's Will Carrier. <laughs> Could have been like, you're doing what? <laughs> but it works because the yeah. guy's been been really, really good. Um, Golden Knights got goals from Paul Cotter and Will Carrier to come back and win last night. But here's an important question for you. On Carrier's game-winning goal, Golden Knights win the faceoff. Shea Theodore takes a shot from the point. Right. And he misses the net by 10 to 15 feet. I mean, it's not even close to the net. Rebounds perfectly to Chandler Stevenson. He finds Carrier, who's all alone. Do you think Shea Theodore... Should have gotten a secondary assist. No, no. Do you think he missed the net on purpose? Or do you think he was trying to score and it was just that bad of a shot? I think in that way with the clock ticking down he was trying to score. I assume so too, but it was I mean, so 16 bad. 16 seconds. It was so bad that you have to be like, wait a minute. Was he just trying to get it to Stevenson because or it, someone it, down low? It worked out perfectly. Yeah. Right? Because, you know, San Jose to some degree, it, it helped that he took a shot that was actually uh that badly missed right. and Will Carey ends up getting in all alone on the opposite side of the net. But it was so bad. And Theodore was good last night, too. Theodore yeah. had maybe one of the, the best games of any Golden Knight in terms of creating chances. And for him to miss that badly, you look around and say, well, that he's a professional hockey player. He wouldn't <laughs> miss the net that badly. But he did, and it worked out really, really well. So, well, uh, I don't know if it was on purpose. If you're Shea Theodore, you're saying it was on purpose every time. Sure. Of course, I missed the net that badly. That because I knew Chandler pass. was down there, and he yeah. would find Will Carrier. I could see the future. I knew exactly where the next two. I don't even think would Will. Go. I think Will Carrier is a two-name guy now. I just say Will Carrier. I never say Will. It's too, it's, it's too common of a name. Yeah, got to go Will Carrier. Do you think Nick Hague is happier that Will Carrier scored the game-winning goal last night, or that he might be coming over today to fix his dishwasher again? Oh, I think dishwasher. <laughs> You gotta you gotta have priorities in this life. I think dishwasher. If it's if it's broken, yeah, I think that you know. I mean, look, you can always win games. They're first right. in the Pacific. I mean, somebody else could score the yeah, game winning exactly. goal. Exactly, they could have gone to overtime, and Eric Carlson, who was on the ice for forty minutes, um, <laughs> would have been too tired for San Jose, uh, and the Golden Knights would have won in overtime. So I would have to say. Whatever he needs fixing at the house, he he would consider more important than winning the game. Only got one teammate that can fix the dishwasher. Yeah. Better bring him over. everything else. All right. So the Golden Knights won last night. Get the game-winning goal. Dramatic fashion from Will Carrier. But they tied a franchise record by going 0-7 on the power play. Uh, Jesse Granger tweeted out the only other time they've gone 0 for 7 was the first game in franchise history. I was there at Dallas. (laughs) At Dallas. They have not scored on their last 21 power plays. Now, I'll give you some numbers for season long. Um, Their per-minute numbers on the power play, they're getting the 12th most shots, they're scoring the 15th most goals, and they have the 10th highest expected goals total. So... So they've been long, fine until, until recently. Right. They, I, I know earlier in the year there was a stretch where they struggled as well, but they've been... 
pretty fine. Okay. Yeah, they've been average on the power play this year. But 0 for 7 in one game, and then 0 <laughs> one for, for your last 21 or 0 for 21, and it's 1 for 28 or something okay. like that. That's horrendous. And I, I think the main question that popped into my head is this going to be a playoff problem? Or like, are they going to get into a playoff series well, and are they going to get eliminated because they go one for 18 in the series on the power play? I mean, they can't go one for 18. Right. <laughs> because they're going to be in major trouble yeah. in the playoffs. And so they got to get back to what they were doing before this stretch. Right. Which I. And Mark Stone, I think, had a lot to do with that. And they don't know when Mark Stone's coming back. Now, I, Bruce Cassidy in his press conference last night was talking about. Um, the things he liked and didn't like on the power play. Right. Cause they had a bunch of shots. They had some good power plays. They just didn't score on them. And one of the things he said was the positioning of guys in front of the net or to the side of the net. And he was like, Mark stone's really good at that. And obviously losing him hurts. And he was like, other guys are capable. We just got to have them do gotta, that. Got to step up and do it. So losing Mark stone, even though I don't think we've ever viewed Mark stone as like this. Oh, he's a phenomenal power play guy. Like he's, he's going to score a bunch of power play goals. Like, but no, he's, but he's such a smart player. Right. He's still really good at pretty right. much everything. So losing Stone, you've got to find a way to actually replace that. And so that does that mean they haven't scored a power play goal since he got hurt? When did he get hurt? Uh, I think Ben Ghost reported that today. He got hurt against Florida. Um, was it? No, it wasn't. I don't know if it was January 10th. It was in January um, against Florida. I read that this morning. Um but yeah, it's been a while. So one of twenty-eight, zero of twenty-one. God, it's a lot. That's bad. Yeah, <laughs> that's really. But they bad. keep winning games, right? And they're four and zero since the yeah, All Star. They're four and zero since the All Star break, and they're first place in the Pacific Division. I think the reason that I didn't really realize it was it was zero for twenty-one, or I guess technically zero for fourteen, going into last night's game, is because they scored five, five, and seven in their previous three. Right. And I just, I don't know. You just assume when you score. 17 well, goals you, in three games. Some are off the power right. play. You'd be like, oh, yeah, the power play helped out a lot. But yeah. nope, they have not had a power play goal despite scoring 17 goals in their previous three and still haven't done it yet. Um, the other interesting part about the Golden Knights. So this four-game winning streak after the All-Star break, all against non-playoff teams. Now, Nashville and Minnesota are just on the outside of the last wild card spot. So it's not like those are terrible teams. Um, but their next 11 games... Nine are against teams in a playoff position right now. They they do have Tampa Bay coming up. Uh, they also have Chicago coming up, who is uh, dreadful. But, then they have Dallas, Colorado, right. teams like that. But the schedule gets more difficult. Does that matter to you? Does it matter? Like, should we be skeptical of the four-game winning streak and what it means? And does it matter more to you? Like, oh, this next 11 well, games is going to be a proving It matters to me to see how they do. Um, their first place in the Pacific. It matters to me. I think they play Calgary during this stretch. Yeah. It also matters to me what they do against Pacific Division teams. Which they don't play many in the next 11. Right. Like, it's Calgary, and I think they might play... Um, a team that's outside of the playoff picture is it Vancouver or something like that, but they don't play Seattle until the very end of the season. Edmonton. I think Edmonton's a while away. Yeah. Edmonton and Seattle. They do not play either one of them until like uh, mid April or something like that. So they've got a while before they play those two. They do play LA a little bit sooner, but they don't really play the top of the Pacific until the end of the season. So it's going to be the Dallas, the Tampa, the Colorado type teams that you play instead. I, I think the, the bigger, the bigger point for me, if you're sort of looking ahead to what 
any sort of stretch of games means isn't so much about winning all of the games or a lot of the games. It's more about how do you play? Like when you play Calgary or Tampa or, or Dallas or yeah. Colorado, do you play well? Like even if you lose, right? Do you have more shots or more scoring chances or whatever it is? Like, do you play well? In those games. And even if you lose them, because uh, hockey's a dumb sport where you can lose despite playing well, I think that's a little bit more important than the actual results. Now, they do have a little bit of gap on, on second place in the Pacific now, but it's still a tight division and you do have to win games, right? You can't, yes. you, if you play well and lose a bunch, you're going to miss the playoffs. But as long as they play well, even if they lose a few more than, than they win, it's still probably going to be okay. Things are, things are okay at the moment and you're still in a decent spot because they're not going to fall completely out of the playoff race, even if they lose a few games in a row. Two points on Seattle, three on the Kings, four in Edmonton, and nine on Calgary, who's who's just not... I I think people keep waiting around for Calgary, and it just doesn't seem like it's happening. But no one... Two, three, one, two, three, four, five... No one has games in hand, so they've all caught up at this point. The thing thing with Calgary is they've got good... um, like analytics this year, they've got better analytics. I think that I think they're the best in the Pacific in terms of expected goals percentage. Like they've got really good analytics. They just can't win. Like they're the golden Knights in the playoffs when it was like, Oh, they're out shooting their opponent and they can't beat Thatcher Demko. That's Calgary. Like they're, they're out shooting out chancing their opponents, but can't win most nights. And they might miss the playoffs because of it, because there's enough teams ahead of them that have performed relatively well, that, they got to start catching them. They have to start winning games. You can't just, hey, we're playing okay. No, I mean, losing. they're five out of first. Or, yeah. excuse me, five out of fourth. Yeah. They, they got a long ways to go. All right, yeah. coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, we'll get it in to the Raiders. Two on the play clock. They get the snap. They only bring four. Stidham in the pocket. Gets out of there. Eyes downfield. Flag flies. He's drilled as he throws. Open Adams at the 35. Racing to the 20. 10. Touchdown, Raiders. Stenham was drilled as he threw it and found a wide-open Devontae Adams for, if it stands, a 60-yard touchdown. Same formation as first down, second and goal from the one. Snap, give to Josh again, off the right side, has some room, squeezes in. Touchdown, Raiders. An opening drive, 75-yard push, and Jacobs caps it off with a one-yard dive through the right side, and it's 6-0 Las Vegas. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Danny's back in the studio. Are you here to stay? We'll see. <laughs> you know? I mean, <laughs> things, you able to put this fire out? <laughs> oh, yeah, this fire's, I mean, it's good. I'm waiting for the next one, but it's good right now. Right. Fires are fun. It, it keeps you on your toes. Just let us know when you have to run away. Just oh, you'll know. see. It's, it'll be fun. Uh, I have a theory about Sean Payton right now. Uh, I think he is just trying to troll the AFC West because talking about other players. So we had the conversation that he had with, I think it was Kay Adams about Josh Jacobs right? and how he wanted to sign Josh Jacobs and how great Josh Jacobs was. Josh Jacobs, the Raiders leading rusher and the Raiders have to make a decision on extension franchise tag let him go whatever they end up doing but now uh apparently Rex Ryan is the top candidate according to Ian Rappaport to become the Broncos defensive coordinator do you remember right after the Chargers lost to the Jags in the playoffs 
Rex Ryan went on like a three-minute rant about how Brandon Staley is yes. like a disgrace to football yes. and doesn't respect the game and all oh, of that. Oh, yeah. Get off just, the lawn. Get off the lawn. Just torch Staley. Yeah. And it, a lot of the stuff wasn't even accurate, right? Like he was yelling at him for going on a fourth down when Doug Peterson beat him by going for it on fourth yeah. down. I think he's just trying to troll the other teams in the AFC West. <laughs> He's just like, oh, you ripped Brandon Staley? Hey, come be my defensive coordinator. You'll give some fun quotes before we play them. Ah, the Raiders have to make a decision on Josh Jacobs. How about I say we want him? We want to sign Josh Jacobs. I can't figure out what he's going to do for the Chiefs. It's kind of hard to troll the team that won the Super Bowl, but I'd like to see it. I think he should be more worried about Russell Wilson. Maybe. That would be helpful. trolling other teams. Oh, the other thing he did, and this one is a little bit of a reach, but his commercial with Gronk or whatever he did, the pregame thing with Gronk and tweeting out the picture of a, a Broncos shirt that said Gronkos instead of Broncos. <laughs> I, I, this is a little bit of a reach, but you remember Dana White told the story about Tom Brady, Tom Brady and, and, Gronk. and Gronkowski coming. We're going to come to the Raiders and then John Gruden yeah. cut it down. It. Yeah. A little bit of a, hey, you guys ha- almost had... Rob Gronkowski. Now I'm going to bring Rob Gronkowski back out of retirement and beat you with him. I think he's, I think Sean Payton well, got hired as a head coach and is just, he's not worried about the football right now. He is just, and if how that's do the I, case, he's trolling the two former new England guys. Oh, that's too. That's true. Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler is trolling true. those guys. That's oh, great. I kind of, I like it. I don't know if it's going to go well for him, but <laughs> I don't know if any of this stuff is happening. I, I hope he is just doing all of this. To make fun of other teams in the division. And he, he's got an uphill battle to do something against the Chiefs because, you know, they it's hard, it's, it's hard to make Mahomes. fun of the team that made that won the Super Bowl. Yeah. But maybe, maybe he can actually um, do that. Did you see, by the way, this contract projection for Justin Herbert? Uh, no, but I know he hasn't. He hasn't been paid yet. He is not. So um the projection, so the Athletic did a story on Herbert and like if the Chargers give him a new contract this offseason, which he's he's not a free agent or anything, so it's not like they have to. He's under contract for next year. But the projection was a six-year deal for $295 million. Uh, that is $49.2 million per season uh, with one thirty-five guaranteed. The Chargers have yet to win anything with Justin Herbert right. on a rookie contract. Right. I don't think either of us doubt that Justin Herbert is good. Right. No. I, I think the majority, not all, because there are a lot of people that don't think he's a superstar, but I think the majority of people across the league view Herbert as one of the, I don't know, better quarterbacks, five, top, six yeah. best, whatever your list is going to be. Right. He's going to be around there. He's an interesting question to me on, can you win the Super Bowl with that quarterback making that much money dollars. and not what you're putting around him. Yep. Like we, we, we've had this conversation before. You want to have a rookie quarterback or a quarterback on a rookie, rookie contract. contract. Yep. There's so much value in that. And then if you're going to pay a guy, it needs to be a guy that can do what Patrick Mahomes just did and right. go win a Super Bowl without Tyreek Hill on the team. Otherwise, if you want to win the Super Bowl, you're better off with a different quarterback. We know uh, the Raiders for nine years with Derek Carr. He was not good enough to get paid a bunch of money and win a Super Bowl, right? There's a lot of quarterbacks. Herbert's an interesting one because we haven't seen the proof yet of him doing it on his rookie deal. Is he going to be able to do it on his on an actual $50 million a year contract? The Chargers don't really have a choice. You can't let Herbert go. You're going to be 
just skewered no, for that. He, no, they can't know. But is he actually good enough that the Chargers can win a Super Bowl with him making $50 million? And having to take away right. elsewhere. I don't know what the answer to that is. I don't know. I, I think I'd lean no, even though I think Herbert's really good. I think I'd lean no and be like, yeah, he's he's not quite in that upper echelon. He's not. So you quite... wouldn't pay him yet? Just see one well, more year? Well, what's he going to do this season to change your mind? Like, he's not going to fall off of the face of the earth, right? And No. And he's just going to keep getting better. Right. So it's like you're going to end up paying him anyway, so I don't think it matters too when? much. Yeah, you're, you're going to pay the guy because he's – he is a good quarterback, and you can't, again, you can't really let Herbert walk, and people are just going to rip you to no end, and you're probably going to get worse. As That's soon what as you the Raiders walk. should do. What? Go Wait get Herbert? Justin Herbert walks <laughs> and say, we want that guy. <laughs> He'd be a good choice. He would be. They should go get a Justin Herbert. The other part about Herbert and other quarterbacks I'm curious to see, Lamar Jackson has done this where he has basically told the Ravens, I want a guaranteed contract. Mm-hmm. I'll fully guaranteed like, contract. Just like Sean Watson. Is anybody else going to do that? I mean, Cleveland did it for a guy who was in that much trouble. Yeah. So there might be teams out there who would do that for Lamar Jackson. So you have Lamar Jackson potentially holding out until he gets that guaranteed money. Um, Jalen Hurts is extension eligible this offseason. Herbert is extension eligible eligible this offseason. I think Burrow is too, if I remember correctly. Like you've got multiple quarterbacks that could sign extensions this offseason and multiple like really good quarterbacks. Multiple quarterbacks who will be near or over 50 million a year. Are any of them, besides Lamar, obviously, because he's already doing it, are any of those other quarterbacks going to say, you got to give me the fully guaranteed deal? I mean, I would take my, like I said, we know the one person who has a fully guaranteed deal, and that was an amazing thing the Browns did and probably a stupid thing they did. But why wouldn't you ask for it? I mean, I'd ask for it. Yeah, I mean, I mean the reason you're is, Joe Burrow, I'd, I'd ask for it. The reason is what's happened to Lamar Jackson, right? Lamar, from all the reports, the Ravens did offer Lamar Jackson a, a significant contract with, you know, that was, I don't think it was 50. I think it was 40 something million a year with 130, 40, 50 million guaranteed. I have to look up the exact number. So they offered him a legitimate contract, but he didn't take it because he apparently wants a fully guaranteed deal. And now he's probably going to get franchise tagged. He's probably not going to get that same extension. And he's got to decide, do I play on the franchise tag or do I hold out? Or do I hold out? And that's sort of the risk as a player. Like if you're Justin Herbert and the Chargers offer you a deal, this deal with 135 guaranteed and you want all of it guaranteed, you want the 300 million fully guaranteed and you don't take it this offseason, you play this next year on your rookie deal. And then next offseason, they're probably franchise tagging you if you're still holding out for that guaranteed deal and you don't actually have the long-term deal. So that's the risk, but I'm curious because for Lamar, best case scenario for him is Herbert, Hertz and Burrow all say, give me the fully guaranteed deal. Yeah. Give it to me. And, and one if, of them gets it. Right. And then Lamar Jackson can say, all right, Ravens, right. this is the going rate now. This is what's standard. The worst thing for Lamar Jackson is if all three of those guys sign an extension and it's only like 50% For like 130 guaranteed. guaranteed. Yeah. Then the Ravens basically say, yeah, the Sean That's Watson the was an outlier. You right. can't use exactly. that because, you know, Herbert and Burrow just signed up and they're you're on the same level as them. Right. This is what we have to offer. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, Ben Brown joins the show. He's the only guest who says, have a good show. Wow, he's a data scientist. 
I guess he's slumming. PFF's Ben Brown joins Grady and Bischoff on the press box. Good morning, Ben. Hi, Ben. What's up, gentlemen? How you feeling on uh, off-season, at least, for the NFL perspective? Oh, excited. We get to talk about so many hypotheticals for like seven straight months. It's great. Right. It's way right. better than right. talking about the, actual the, results. Right. The best time of the year, all speculation, no, uh, nothing else. Right. All right. So let, let me ask you this. Um, Lamar Jackson obviously wants the fully guaranteed deal. Deshaun Watson got one. We've got a few quarterbacks like Herbert and Hertz uh, that are like extension eligible this offseason. If you were betting on it, who would be the favorite to get the next fully guaranteed contract for more than a year, right? For like a five-year deal in the NFL. Yeah, I, I very much think it's probably going to be a guy like Justin Herbert. Obviously, very much has you know a, a arrived as like this elite level. I thought of as an elite level type quarterback. I think locking him up long term, you know, it is very much going to be the approach of the Chargers. They seem set on, I would say, Brandon Staley. So, you know, after getting Kellen Moore in the fold from an offensive coordinator perspective, I very much think that they are kind of trying to keep that marriage intact for as long as possible. So, I, I would probably be surprised if it wasn't Justin Herbert actually getting his deal done as quickly as possible here. Uh, Herbert and the Chargers haven't actually won anything, not a playoff game or anything with him <laughs> on his rookie deal. I I think he's good. I think you know, and most people do, but how much concern is that with the whole conversation about quarterbacks on rookie deals and you got to be Patrick Mahomes level to win once you get paid? Like, How big of a concern should that be for the Chargers that they haven't actually done anything while Herbert's been cheap and now he might get $45, $50 million a year. Yeah, I mean, I very much think it has to be the concern, but I think you can kind of look back on it. And, you know, there's obviously, like, divvying up of, you know, where who's responsible for certain situations. I do think, you know, even in, and if you're kind of grading out, you know, Justin Herbert on the scale of performance in these sort of big games, like, Going back to, yeah, I know they struggled in the second half against Jacksonville, but they were very much in line to win, I would say. And it was a lot of like the defensive situation and a lot of coaching situations that probably allowed them uh, to, you know, slip up in that game. So I, I think, you know, the, there is some concern that they haven't, you know, arrived at anything yet. But the, the expectation of feeling very much has to be that, you know, they should have and, and Herbert probably put them in the best, you know, situation in order to do that. They just really didn't execute in other facets of play. So I know there's a concern and, you know, you very much want your guy to kind of at least get over the proverbial playoff hump and maybe win a playoff game on that rookie deal to really feel solid about where he's going to, you know, progress to. But I think given the, you know, the, the outlook for the rest of the, you know, AFC specifically and given, you know, where the Chargers kind of sit in an ownership perspective and how much capital they actually have at their disposal. Uh, I very much think that they are going to try and get a deal done sooner rather than later and hope they can, you know, kind of push it out to a number of years and keep, you know, Justin Herbert, you know, in the fold for as long as possible, I would say. All right, Ben, degenerate Danny's running the show today. He did not do well on his props. How did you do? I did, you know, fairly well. I would say there were, you know, a couple of spots. I did try to say Juju Smith-Schuster won too many times. Obviously, he was very much involved, you know, in the slot. Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes over 2.5 passing touchdowns was probably my biggest prop play. Um, you know, it, it wasn't like the gaudy stats numbers from him, his perspective, but, uh, you know, very much got that one through the through the window as well. So I, I think I was set up in, you know, some ways for success because I did have a decent amount on some Eagles futures that I then ended up hedging with 
the Chiefs. So if I would have, you know, lost money on the Super Bowl, I think I would have to reevaluate my chosen profession and everything else. <laughs> but uh, overall, it was it was relatively productive. Unfortunately, now I kind of have to, you know, figure out some, you know, college basketball games and everything else in order to pass the time until we get, I guess, XFL this weekend. I would say. Oh boy! All right, well, hold on. What are you going to bet more on, college basketball or the XFL? Well, that's a good question. I think from a volume perspective, it'll definitely be college basketball. But from a unit's perspective and the fact that PFF does do, you know, the charting and grades for XFL, I'll probably have more, you know, dollars wagered on the XFL. It's just the volume is unfortunately not going to be there. But I do think Houston is the, the, the correct spot this opening weekend. If anyone's looking for a little bit of football action uh, for the XFL, I would say they are the spot I'm definitely targeting. Them. Wait, wait, are the Vegas Vipers any good? Uh, I think they're gonna be okay. I, 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 um, you know, obviously they, they're not. I would say in like the the, the top class. I think they're like three and a half point favorites, three and a half point dogs against Arlington this weekend. So obviously it's really tough to gauge. We'll we'll get a better sense of where they're at, you know, a, after week one and week two here. But I, I would say right now they're definitely probably in the bottom half, the bottom you know fourth of the team <laughs> at least as far as like an outlook projected projection right now. This is awesome. That, this is more. This is more information than we're getting on these guys, than we'll probably ever get. Wait. That that information does not go well for my uh, my Vipers future. Oh my oh god! Oh no, yeah. Danny, Danny, please. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? I also have a Defenders future too. So. I don't even know what city the Defenders play in. DC. Uh, why would I know uh, that? Why, yeah. why would I know that, Danny? Calm down. All right. Uh, actual NFL futures. Is there anybody you like right now, Ben, to win next year's Super Bowl? I mean, I think if you're betting right now, it is kind of you're looking at some longer shot type opportunities. I think, you know, in some ways, like a similar makeup to where the Eagles were at last year at this time. So if there is a team that very much, you know, has the draft capital capital or also like the free agent dollars to go out and kind of get some playmakers uh, and they're at longer odds, like I think it doesn't hurt to maybe get a little bit of a, a look at those teams. I think specifically one team that I really like, Uh, The Carolina Panthers, like, very much have kind of this winnable division in the NFC South, have a really strong roster kind of outside of the quarterback position. And then I think a guy like Frank Reich, I know he, you know, stumbled quite a bit, you know, in the latter half of his, you know, performance in Indianapolis. And maybe they don't go the veteran quarterback, you know, retreat option like he, you know, kind of went through in Indianapolis. But they seem to be, you know, only a quarterback away and very much fit in this NFC. And I think they do have playmakers that can definitely help, you know, a young quarterback along and do have the draft capital to probably go up and get their guys. So Carolina is a team I definitely have my eyes on. Um, you know, it, it's tough to really buy into anybody in the AFC, but, you know, given where Lamar Jackson, if he, if he doesn't end up in Baltimore, if things don't shake out, you know, quite as well as expected from Baltimore's perspective. And if you do expect Cincinnati to maybe take a step back, or maybe have a little bit of difficulties if they do lock in Joe Burrow to a long-term deal and, and maybe can't pay guys like T. Higgins. And I think that does open up a window in the AFC North. And, you know, the, the continuity aspect and everything else in Cleveland does make a lot of sense. And them being, you know, priced in the bottom half of the NFL right now from the Super Bowl perspective, like I think they are a team that could at least get into the playoffs. And then when that happens, um, you know, there's been any number of scenarios where they could potentially be successful throughout the AFC playoff race as well. Carolina seems to be one team that Derek Carr is linked to a lot. How do you think that would work out? I think it would fit. I honestly think it would probably be a better fit than, you know, a team like uh, the Saints basically obviously is linked heavily to, you know, the NFC South teams right now. But 
I think, you know, Michael Thomas is going to be, you know, going to not be in the fold in this, you know, for the New Orleans Saints. Obviously, they do have some young wide receivers, you know, guys like Chris Olave who have very much emerged. But I still think, you know, the Carolina Panthers probably have a better overall structure from a team perspective, both defensively and at the offensive skill positions as well. So I think you would probably be more successful, you know, in a team like Carolina. But uh, I think one of those two options is very much the most likely destination for where Derek Carr ends up in 2023. The idea of betting on a long shot right now to win the Super Bowl, is that not going to be possible in the AFC for like five straight years? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I think even, you know, overall it's going to be really dark because, you know, it's obviously the Patrick Mahomes angle is very much looming and, you know, his his contract, although long and for a lot of money, actually does get progressively better. And it's honestly probably going to be, you know, in some ways looked at it as like a discount here in a few seasons as well. So they have the long-term window wide open in the AFC and, you know, very much like, you know, outside of an injury to Patrick Mahomes or something else, like it's going to be really tough to get anybody to definitely take, you know, all of the right scenarios kind of aligning for that team to potentially knock off the team like, you know, Kansas City or, you know, even Cincinnati or, you know, maybe Buffalo to a lesser extent, although I think their window is in some ways kind of closing relatively quickly. But um, it, it's going to be really difficult in the ASC. So I think if you are looking for some long shots, you know, targeting teams in the NFC, which, you know, still very much looks wide open and it might be, you know, close to, a, you know, thought of basically in the same realm as what it was last year at this time outside of Philadelphia, because it does seem like, you know, a lot of the teams that were expected to be contenders and the NFC, you know, can very much take another step back here in 2023. So I think if you're looking for it, very much the teams in the NFC are the ones that I think you want to correctly, you know, hone in on. And then from there, if they do get into the Super Bowl, you know, that gives you opportunities, I would say, to hedge at that point for a much better price uh, than what you bet on them in the offseason. Do you have any futures on FX, on XFL teams? I do, I'm a I'm a Roughnecks fan, I okay. guess Houston to Houston to the bone, basically. So I do like them a little bit. I think they are basically the same price, um, you know, to win uh, the XFL championship as a team like the Vipers. I do think they are probably closer to a top half of you know XFL team. So I like the Roughnecks quite a bit. Uh, the St. Louis Battlehawks are the favorite right now. I don't necessarily agree with you know that synopsis. So. I, I am very intrigued, I would say, by this Arlington Renegade Vegas Vipers. They are two teams, I think, that kind of fit in that mid-tier, and I think if one of them kind of shows out here in week one, you know, that might be a buy-in opportunity for them long-term. But it's very much, I would say, you know, a, a coaching-based, uh, you know, uh, modeling approach right now, or not even necessarily a modeling approach, but very much trying to, you know, see how these coaches are going to kind of fit together these rosters, and whatever one is the most successful, you know, I, I think that's going to be obvious relatively early on. If it wasn't your job, I'd be worried for you. He's Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. We appreciate Thanks, ben. it. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. Danny, you have futures on the Vipers and the Defenders in the yes. XFL. Yes, okay. I do. Um, I know almost nothing about this. Can they play each other in whatever they... the XFL's championship is? Yes. Like are there divisions and one team has to come out of each division or is there just the top two teams end up there? No, I believe it's two conferences. I'll double check, but they actually play in two weeks here. They play each other. Mm -hmm. Are you going to go? It's the Vipers home opener. Unfortunately, I cannot go because I will be in Reno. Unfortunately, he cannot go. I'll go to that. that. It's too bad. Yeah. You're going to have to let Danny know if either of his bets are any good. (laughs) 
Be like, I don't know, Danny. Neither of these teams completed a pass, so you might not win anything. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, we make fun of Philadelphia. And the scores! Squeezes it beyond Andre Blake. LAFC do get their Hollywood ending after all. The trophy is heading to Tinseltown. And they start the celebrations. Pitch swung on, popped in the air, right field. Tucker over towards the line, into foul ground. He reaches out, he makes the catch, and it's over. The Houston Astros are the world champions as they have beaten the Phillies tonight, 4-1 to in game six. Here's Hertz lining up three receivers all to the far side. Hertz goes back. He's stepping up. He's looking. Still looking. He is launching it deep downfield, and it bounces. And the seconds are gone. And the Kansas City Chiefs have won another Super Bowl, 38 to 35. We're back to the press box with Grainy and Bischoff. That is a uh, good production work, Danny. I appreciate the calls of all three Philadelphia championship losses. It brought me happiness. Uh-huh. I, I did have a little smile when I was making it. <laughs> I uh, have a friend who is a Philadelphia sports fan, and he occasionally listens to the show, and now i got to make sure he listens to specifically that part. See, what you should do is I can send you the file of when we came back, and we'll just you can send him that. <laughs> That's all you need to send him. Just text it to him. Take, uh, probably email. Yeah. Or them. or just send him the link and say, "Hey, listen at seven fifty one." Yeah, it's important. Um, so, as most people are aware, Philadelphia lost three championships in three months. You heard it there. The Philadelphia Union lost MLS Cup. The Phillies lost the World Series, and the Eagles lost the Super Bowl. Uh, my friend that is a Philly fan, he does care about the Union, too. Like, he watches Philadelphia Union games. So that did hurt him for the Union to lose the to lose MLS Cup as well. As a sports fan, would you prefer that? Three of your favorite teams losing the championship, or would you prefer they just miss the playoffs entirely? If they're going to lose the championship, I prefer they all stunk and got a high draft pick. <laughs> I'm with Ed. Because I wouldn't want to be... If you're saying just miss the playoffs, like you're mediocre, then go to the finals and, and lose. But if you have a choice, I'd rather stink and get high draft picks. Well, that's like with us being Cowboys fans. They're always in the yeah, high teens like or right low 20s. The, they're always right at the edge of doing something. They don't. And like you've said often about draft picks then you're in purgatory of like 15 to 18 and you never have like the top draft pick well if you make the playoffs it's actually worse because you're in like 22 then you're in the 22 yeah but at least you made the playoffs right like i like the worst place to be is the team that just misses the playoffs and picks 15th or whatever if you make the playoffs sure you you probably end up losing and you you get a worse draft pick but at least you got to experience a playoff game because that's still fun and at least you had some hope that you could win those moral victories yeah i mean but it's it's before the game is played it's not a moral victory you could actually win the game um the the hard part for me on losing the championship because for me i'm i'm taking the run to the championship and losing every single time but three times in three months especially in that city that's tough 
Like that's that's really tough to have it happen three times yeah. in three months because now you're looking back saying, Oh, almost, almost, almost oh. three straight times. In that town with their heartbreak. with their fan base. Yeah. And for Philly fans, it was in order of like least cared about to most cared about, right? right. It was MLS Cup, World Series, Super Bowl. And so it was just a building of disappointment. Yeah. Getting that close to the finish line and losing and Philadelphia Union had a lead late in MLS Cup, lost. Phillies had a 2-1 lead in the World Series, lost. Eagles had a 10-point uh, lead over the Chiefs, halftime. lost. Like, it wasn't like they got there and, oh, the Chiefs were just better. And what right. they legitimately the could have won. Four, you know, four yeah. under they got swept. They legitimately could have won all three of those. And now I am definitely cheering for the, the 76ers, 76ers to, lose. to lose the NBA Finals. That will be phenomenal. Would that go? Obviously, it's not the same, but would it be along the same path if they lost in the Eastern Conference Finals? No. At this point, you got to lose the title. And here's the thing for for the 76ers. They're third in the East. Boston and Milwaukee are probably a step above them. So for Philly to get there, they're going to have to probably beat Milwaukee in the second round where they'll be underdogs and then Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals where they'll be underdogs. So would they be ahead or behind the World Series? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, probably ahead. Probably a bigger deal. The, the other thing with the Philly teams, right? The Union have been good for a while. That's been one of the better MLS teams for a few years now. But the Phillies, that run was unexpected, right? Like they were not right. supposed no, to. No. They were the last we team in the playoffs. To be. <laughs> they were the last team in the playoffs, and they go on a great run. Like that, to an extent... Yeah, you're bummed you lost the World Series. But, but that, you never thought it was going to happen. Right. You're going to look back and say, wow, that was great. Right. The Eagles, now once they got to the Super Bowl, obviously they were a machine. But the Eagles were never supposed to be the, the one seed in the NFC no. this year. So that in itself, too, was also a little bit of a surprise. So that makes it a little bit different, too, where if you are, you know, the Dodgers and you lose the World Series, that that's failure. You're supposed to yes, win it. Whereas to win it. The Phillies, you can look back and say, well, that was a great season. We weren't. We won like 88 games. We weren't supposed to be anywhere close to that. Yeah, but it still sucks to do it three times in three months.